For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra. What a week. After two years since the last time we had college softball postseason, we finally crowned a Women's College World Series champion once again here in 2021. Congratulations to the Oklahoma Sooners on your fifth Natty Championship. It did not disappoint either. The entire World Series, so many things happened. And there are so many things that we learned too. It's like, where do we even start at this point? But we'll dig into more of that. First, reminders for ways to keep up with the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Subscribe to Believe in Softball on YouTube and actually watch the episodes too. All right, let's go through today's order. Covering our bases, of course, we'll have some news and updates. I think you know what it's going to be about. And then we'll head into today's interview, which is a continuation of my conversation with possibly my favorite golden bear, Cal softball head coach and alum, Chelsea Spencer. So in part one, you heard us cover all kinds of stuff. Bay Area rivalry fun, Pac-12 softball, getting back on top, coaching through COVID-19, what being a custodian of Cal softball really means, the true definition of leadership, her coaching curriculum experience, and more. So in part two today, we'll keep the conversation going, learn a little more from the unique perspective of a successful player now coaching their alma mater, especially today. Then we'll end things as usual with the foul tip of the week, our new segment this season where we share tips to help us get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. The first base we'll cover is a quick word from our sponsor. Because the month of June is still heating up with a ton of exciting sports action. The Women's College World Series might be over, but there's more for us sports fans. And BetOnline is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including props, bets, and futures, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. Remember, BetOnline, 
your online sportsbook experts. Man, what a week. Like I said, the Women's College World Series. I mean, I gotta start there. There's just so much to unpack. I mean, there's more on the 2021 season as a whole and what softball has in store the rest of the year in next week's episode, but I gotta focus on the World Series right now. There's just so much. I mean, when I think about all the greatness on the field that we witnessed, I think it all really came down to energy. You know, like I said, we waited two years for this. You go from the least amount of World Series games played last year at zero to the most with all 17 possible games played. So many, if necessary, games actually throughout all of the postseason tournament to almost try to make up for 2020 in a way. But I think some of the words that come to mind to describe this World Series, there's a few. I mean, the first I would say is fight. You had two losers bracket teams who met in the championship series for the first time ever. But along with that, you got Oklahoma breaking records. I mean, there's the team single season home run record, Jocelyn Allo with her single season OU home run record, climbing the charts overall for the whole country. Then you got to look at Florida State too. They beat arguably the hottest team and the hottest pitcher at the time in Alabama twice. Twice. I mean, that is hard. That is not easy to do. And I feel like while they weren't the ones at the end of the day who were hoisting up the trophy, they are still elevating the ACC. I mean, back in 2018, when they won the national championship, that was huge for the conference. But as they're continuing to get back to that level since then here in 2021, then you look at other teams and programs like Duke and Clemson who are really growing early on, even the fact that they invested in those programs in the first place, I just think what Florida State has done is also very important for the conference as a whole. And so to see those two teams come to the championship series the way that they did, it was special. You know, I mean, what fight from those two squads. The other thing I think about is inspiration. Not surprising that I'm about to say this, but JMU, the unseeded team making it to the semifinals on the back of Odyssey Alexander. And you have to shout out Lindsey Meeks and the whole squad, right? I mean, so many reasons why this is important. You have the idea that it was really representation and visibility for mid-major programs. We don't talk about it enough. You know, we cover all the Power Fives in depth. And there are so many strong mid-majors out there that they really made a name for themselves across the board. Even in regionals, like given these teams were run for their money, getting some wins, it was a big deal for us all to witness a mid-major at this stage to realize, hey, we can, anyone can do this, right? Like it doesn't really matter. That other stuff doesn't matter. It's all about what you do on the field. And I think getting that visibility is going to be important for more and more players to be interested in mid-majors, maybe than they even were before. So, so many reasons why that's important. I think also seeing Odyssey, seeing a woman of color as the leader in the middle of the diamond. You know, she threw over a thousand pitches. Daniel Laurie says, you know, they draw a circle around the pitcher for a reason, right? Like you are the anchor. You're the leader. You're the one that touches the ball every single pitch, every play in a game. And to see a woman of color be in that kind of leadership position is important. And it tells all little girls and little girls of color that they can do that too. Anybody can be in that circle. And the fact that Odyssey is a two-way player just gives me life. You guys know that I love that. So even better. The other thing is, too, is like I said, 
all that other stuff, you know, the name game and all that doesn't matter. Seedings don't mean anything. Anything's possible. You do whatever you want. And we all need that reminder sometimes, all of us, just in life. And I think especially right now. So just that inspiration from Jay and Mew was the energy that everybody needed, which is why everyone was all of a sudden rooting for a mid-major during the Women's College World Series. It was just awesome. But then you take a look at some of the other performances that you just can't ignore. I mean, perfection is another word. Alabama's Montana Fouts throwing that perfect game. The thing that gets me, though, is not only was it a perfect game at the World Series, which in itself is just so impressive, but so many people have talked about the fact that it was 21 outs she had to get, right, on her 21st birthday. That's cool. It's very interesting. But I think the fact that it was the first time in the Women's College World Series in 21 years also a big deal. So that number 21 keeps coming up. That's what everyone's going crazy for. But if you think about it, she was born the same day as the last perfect game of the World Series. That's what that means. So literally, she was born for greatness. I feel like we should have known this somehow. But anyway, we got to see it unfold. In addition to that, this was the Crimson Tide's first ever win against UCLA in history. In history. I mean, that's a big deal. And not only that, but they were the defending national champions this time from back in 2019. They are no joke. I mean, UCLA was number two overall seed, right? They were a seed above Alabama, if we're looking at seedings in that way. And then on top of that, Montana Fouts struck out 14 hitters. 14 hitters. This is one of the best offensive teams in the country, and she struck out most of them. This means that her defense only had to make a play seven times in the entire game. Two-thirds of the outs, she took care of. Just her, just Bailey M. Pill, they got it done. And a couple of those strikeouts also were U.S. Olympians. You know, Rachel Garcia and Bubba Nichols are, are two of the best. Uh, and, and Montana Fouts was just on fire. So I think, personally, we should really be calling her Montana Outs. Right? I mean, that's she is literally just an out-getting machine. So I'm going to try to make that a thing. Hopefully next season it'll catch on. We'll see. <laughs> you guys let me know. Help me out with that. But I think phenomenal is the only word that you can really describe in that performance. And I have to acknowledge also the greatness that is Bailey Hempel because catchers should absolutely a thousand percent get credit to when there's something like a perfect game, a no-hitter, etc. They are so important and very much a part of that entire process. And then you look at Bailey, it's like, especially when you have hitting records like she does, right? So I've got to give credit to her battery mate as well. It's just phenomenal. The other word I think about too is emotion. You know, you look at Coach Kenny from Oklahoma State, especially, I mean, he got emotional with some tears in the post-game presser, you know, because he cares so much. And they all do. And you saw so much emotion from the local fans in the stadium. You know, it was like somewhat of a local game for Oklahoma State being in Oklahoma City. And I think back to and the fact that this was bat flip you back a couple of years ago with Samantha Shaw. You know, they've always been very expressive and emotional and they just care so much. And I, you have to respect that and, and appreciate it. And it, it was evident across all the teams, but I just think that Oklahoma State's a great example of what we got to see in that regard in Oklahoma City. The other thing that cannot be ignored, the word that's top of mind, is legends. I mean, it is truly, in multiple ways, an end of an era in college softball. <laughs> I, it's like, where do I even begin? 
we had our last glimpse of Rachel Garcia in a UCLA uniform. Just let that sink in because I haven't fully allowed it to sink in. I don't know if it's fully hit me yet, but we just, we have to understand the gravity of this. I mean, not only an All-American, 2019 National Champion, back-to-back National Player of the Year, Team USA Tokyo Olympian. Like, this is the caliber that we're talking about here. And she really had become the face of the two-way player today, a pitcher who rakes, pitcher who hits, hitter who pitches, actually, as she prefers to be called, like we learned on this show when we had her on earlier this season. But we can and do talk about her in the same vein as the actual GOAT, Lisa Fernandez. You know, it was almost like we got to see Lisa play college softball again in some ways. But at the same time, Rachel really did truly make her own mark. So you had some eras ending from the player perspective, but then you look at the coaches and my gosh, two of the biggest announcements that we could have had. So Georgia's Lou Harris Champer, over 20 years, she's been in Athens, been there forever. I mean, to me, she's just synonymous with Georgia softball, but over 1,100 wins, 23 NCAA tournament appearances, seven trips to the World Series, coached 38 All-Americans. Just some high-level numbers for you there because there's so many more that we could pull out right now, but it's people like this that are the foundation of our sport. Because there's such a ripple effect with what I just mentioned outside of just the results. You know, I'll give you a personal example. Okay. She actually gave Jessica Allister her first shot at coaching and had mentored her ever since as well, years ago. Coach Al then became the assistant coach at Stanford eventually and helped recruit me. So from there on, a few life-changing things happened. You know, for me, I go to Stanford, I get two degrees, I build lifelong relationships and kind of figure out a little bit more what I want to do with my life. Definitely still figuring that out, but, you know, get a little bit of a sense of who I am. All very important things. And then you have Coach Al herself in her coaching career. She goes off to other places, does great things, especially Minnesota, building that program up, and then comes back to live her dream as the head coach of her alma mater in Stanford. Do things play out that way had Harris Chamber not given Coach Al a shot? Maybe not. Who knows? You know, all of those little things matter. And I think we really have no idea how much these coaches actually talk and help each other. Like, when they're between the lines, all bets are off. Like, everyone's competing. You're trying to win. There's, there's no, no being nice. But in the big picture, it's a community. And it's not just that they're developing players, but they're also helping develop their peers and the next generation or the next wave. And that is really, really important. So congrats to her on her amazing career. Really appreciate everything you've done for the sport. And it goes without saying the exact same thing for the next person who announced their retirement, which is Mike Candrea. Just bottom line, the best to ever do it. 36 years, the winningest coach, the most natties for any single coach with eight. Team USA, an Olympic coach for years with the gold medal crew. I mean, and possibly most importantly, beloved by everybody who played for him, whether it was at Arizona or internationally. It is just truly a monumental loss and a pivot for college softball. But then you have Caitlin Lowe, 
who was also a legendary Wildcat and Olympian, who got the promotion and was named the new head coach. And it, it's it's really cool for a number of reasons. I mean, one thing is the fact that now with her being named in that position, all Pac-12 head coaches are now female. But not only that, six out of nine are alums that are leading their alma maters. You got Caitlin Lowe at Arizona, obviously. It's what we're talking about. You got Kelly I at UCLA, Heather Tarr at Washington, Jessica Alistair at Stanford, Chelsea Spencer at Cal, as you all know, and Amy Hogue at Utah. Like, that's an incredible amount. That's two-thirds of the conference that we're talking about that are alma maters. And just nothing can really replace the fact that they've already walked the path that they're now trying to guide their players on right now. Like, it's just, it's irreplaceable. Like, that's the kind of perspective that, man, you just, you can't replicate it. It's so, so cool. But I have to give a shout out as well to the other coaches, the other three female head coaches in the Pac-12, which is Trisha Ford over at ASU, Melissa Lombardi at Oregon, and then, of course, another legendary Olympian in Laura Berg at Oregon State. I mean, in their case, they are really expanding their influence. Yes, they went to different schools, but look at what they're doing across the country in new areas and new programs to make a difference in the softball world. So really just with this retirement, so many things have been set in motion other than a huge loss. It's like, look at all this. I mean, the Pac-12 is leading the way in breaking barriers and paying it forward with these alums as well. And I got to say, I loved Caitlin Lowe's statement that she made during some of the press conference stuff. She said, you know, she used to say whoever takes over coach is a fool. And now she's like, I'm that fool, I guess, right? But my favorite thing, I think, was that she promised the Wildcat community, like the University of Arizona and everyone that cares about it, that she wouldn't just give her best Coach Kendrea impression, but she would be the best version of herself in the role. And I just think that is incredibly important and really spot on. I think really shows that she just gets it, right? Because nobody does anybody any good if you're pretending to be somebody else. Like when you actually make an impact is when you, you're authentically yourself and playing to your own strengths and building on what others, the path that they've laid before you, but taking it further in your own way and making it your own. So I just think that it's tremendous insight for her to know that right away. And I got to say, too, one, one time I actually saw her run into the wall in center field and break her nose to catch a ball while she was at Arizona. So if that's the commitment that she brings as a coach, they're in great hands. They're going to be just fine. But with all of these things coming together, all of these stories on the field, off the field, all of this, I think this show or the actual event that was the Women's College World Series was also just incredible. Like we as softball fans, we all needed this. Gosh, it had been way too long, but it it was evident too. There's definitely evidence that that was the case, that this was a success. I mean, if you look at the TV ratings, averaged over a million viewers for all the games before the championship series, right? So before we even got to the actual championship, the largest pre-finals audience on record tuned in. But then when you look at the championship series, over 1.8 million viewers, we're watching game one, but it actually peaked at 2.2 million at one point. And then for game two, it's over 2 million viewers tuning in to see what's going on. So it's just, it's crazy. I mean, people love it. 
people love it. And I think something that was really cool within the TV production is the fact that there were 42 cameras. So, so many different angles that you could actually see the game and see the product that is college softball. Even the umpire cam, you get to see what it looks like as an umpire, but also as a hitter, what those pitches look like coming in. I mean, even miking up some of the umpires at times, like more and more perspective that we can get on this amazing sport that we love, the better. And we got to see more of that. But then look at the, the live event in the expanded stadium and Hall of Fame Stadium, the double-decker now, that had 12,000 people in it. 12,000. I mean, this is not something we could have counted on happening back in February. I mean, especially because of COVID, right? But it's just, it's wild. It's wild. So when, when we think about all of these things, what does it all add up to? That, that's what I kind of think about. It's like, well, what is the big takeaway? What does all of this add up to? And at the end of the day, I mean, it is, it's growth. There is an undeniable market for softball. And this isn't a new thing. It might be new to some people, some new fans that we're gaining, which is great. But this has been building up for decades by some of the folks that I already mentioned, having laid that foundation, right? And as some icons retire or they move on, it's almost like this pass the bat mentality where you know, they didn't come this far for us to stop now. They, they laid this foundation so that we could keep building and building and building and keep it going. So when it comes down to it, bottom line, the product is quality, the show is quality, and the community is quality. So many people have been saying throughout the World Series, you know, the quote from Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come, right? But I think the important part of that build piece is also about visibility. So not only are you building the project itself, but also the visibility. And Meg Aronowitz, who is the coordinating producer at ESPN, who's really been the brains behind everything, she calls it show it to grow it, right? And to me, I think of the same concept as visibility creates opportunity. It's the same thing. And, and when we're seeing this growth, it should mean ideally even more investment. And not just TV time, but also things like facilities, which are seeing increasing more and more across the U.S. I mean, the SEC really led the way in that, but now pushing other conferences to start investing in things like that, promotion, social media, all of that stuff. So there's different ways that we can invest as well. I think there's some examples for the NCAA that we can do to improve. For example, like we need to extend the Women's College World Series format and schedule. The fact that Florida State and Oklahoma State had to play at 2 a.m. is, it's unacceptable, right? Like we, we cannot be doing that. that. That is absurd. So it's just about like baking in extra days and giving us more space to let this game breathe and give people some breaks. I mean, Jessica Mendoza pointed out on the broadcast that for the, the College World Series, the men's teams for baseball, they have twice as much time for their World Series with the same amount of teams, you know, and like the same games, all that stuff. So we need to be able to bake in more time so that we can take better care of the players. And then I think a big thing we saw, we got to add instant replay. It's so tough when we as viewers can see the replay and see what the right call should be, but umpires don't get that opportunity. So we can see that sometimes it's really hard. I mean, the game is a really fast game. It's hard to sometimes make that call in the moment. Umpires do their best. But to, to have that extra resource 
we got to do it. All these other sports have it. We have to have it. That's got, that's like a must have for 2022 must have. We never want calls to determine outcomes. And unfortunately that has happened. And I don't think it's something we throw all on the umpires. I think we have to make sure the umpires have the resources to be set up for success. Along those lines, I'd say revamp the obstruction rule. Everyone's going nuts about it. I think the intent of wanting to make sure that there is safety in those close plays is, is important. But I think there's something that is clearly either confusing, not clear, something where it's not consistently called across the board and there are sort of different interpretations of it. So we got to do something there to make that clearer and more standardized for everybody. But like I said, you know, when we talk about investment, it's not just the players and the coaches and things like that. TV, let's, let's invest in every part of the game, which includes umpires as well. You know, we want more people to want to become umpires and to do that, we got to, got to give them what they need. So plenty of things that we can learn in that regard as well. But when we kind of see this go down, it's kind of like a chicken and egg scenario sometimes. It's almost like, oh, well, if you can show that you can grow this thing, we'll invest more. But ironically, it's like, well, but if you invest more, we can grow this thing, right? But now at this point, with the scrappiness and just determination of everyone in the softball community, I mean, we have shown that this thing grows. It's, it's been nonstop growing for a long time, and it's really starting to explode. So from here, it's like, it's time. It's time to kick it into high gear when it comes to the investment. Because what we see in college softball and the Women's College World Series is some of the best that sports has to offer. Yes, I said it. I'm talking about all sports, not just college. It is some of the best that sports has to offer. And it's been a shame that so many players in the past, you know, end their careers when they graduate because there haven't been maybe some viable long-term options for them career-wise to continue playing softball after college. When we talk about investing in the game, that also means the pro and international stage as well. Thank God for the Olympics that's coming up. We are back finally. We talk about it so much because it's such a big deal. 13 years after the last time softball was in the Olympics and we're back. That is the visibility. Back when I was growing up, being able to see that stage, that's what everybody wanted to be. I mean, the Olympics actually drove a lot of interest in college softball. It was a huge driver for some of the growth and, and explosion that we're seeing now is because of the Olympics on the international stage. And now we're going to have that working in tandem with what we saw for 2021 college softball. I mean, look out. And then you have the innovation that is happening with Athletes Unlimited, a fantastic season one last year, more pro softball coming at us this fall. I, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. There's, there's a lot there that we can, that we can get excited about. I mean, it's pro softball, and it's so many of the guests that we've had on the show talk about how that truly is the time that they felt like they're true professional athletes is their experience in Athletes Unlimited. So if we can just capitalize on everything that they're doing there, we're going to be in good shape. And then you know what? Don't forget, too, like some of these amazing college players are going to be playing in the Florida Gulf Coast League this summer as well. And then you got like PGF and you know, travel ball and national championships, like it's hard when the world series is over to not just be like, well, what do I do with my life now? Because I even felt that way a little bit today. It's like when you binge watch an entire series on Netflix and you're like, Oh man, I, I'm in love with this show. This is so amazing, but there aren't going to be any new episodes till next year. So you're just like, great. 
what do I do now? You know, but you know what? It's not going to be college softball, NCAA episodes, but you know what? There's plenty of softball that we can still watch. So it doesn't have to end here for softball. We have half the year left and a lot to look forward to. So I, I would just think of it as college softball is the spark plug, almost like a leadoff hitter maybe, but all of it grows the game now and in the future. So I think you know, let's just ride this wave. And part of the future growth of softball is today's guest. So let's hear the rest of the interview. What are some of the core values that you as a team came to define this year? It's just like, it's an accumulation of what, I'm not going to give too much of what you know, we do around <laughs> here because it's going to be big at one point. But you can't know, give away your like secrets. Toughness. I'm not going to give all the way of them, but we have seven. I think five to seven um, core values is good. Um, I had them write what they thought in three three core values, and I had them submit it to me via email. And I tried to um, think about what past Cal softball is and bring in what they that they really uh, felt like they wanted into um, their core values. And um, you know, it's if if we change core values throughout the next, you know, uh, throughout the years, you know, if you make a good case for it, I'm there for it. Right. But um, it's mostly, you know, like I'll tell you this, Cal, Cal softball is competitive. They've always been, um, yep. you know, if they have that, if they, if they've had the talent or not, like they're going to go, I don't care if it's down eight runs or down one run, they're going to fight to the end, you know, and that's one of them, you know, yep. obviously respect, right. Respect the game. Cause the game doesn't know, like, that's another thing I talk about is if you win by eight yesterday or if you lose by eight, the game doesn't know. So right. a new day. Um, Coach White used to talk about the greatest equalizer in fast pitch softball is a new day. And um, it doesn't matter. Right. But, you know, if you give your best attitude and effort, if you give your best, you give your best, you know, I don't care what the result is. I don't care. So I think winning will be the result if you give your best usually. Right. But um, give your best every day. You can go home and look in the mirror, even if you lost. Say, did I do my job? Yeah, and I can go, to, I can go sleep right, you know? Um, I'll give you one more core value. Um, you've got to be accountable. You, you've got to be accountable and be able to admit your wrongs or, you know, Maybe it's not the best decision for your team right there. You know, maybe we shouldn't do that. Or maybe we should do this. Maybe we should have a potluck. Maybe everybody put some love into some making something and we can't do this during COVID, but like bring a dish yeah. and sit and eat with each other, right? What can we do to increase our culture? Um, what can we do to, not just on the softball field, right? Because softball field is just a very small part of it, of, how you interact with each other. And I don't need them all to like each other, but I do need that. I need them to create some bonds with each other that are going to last a lifetime. I mean, I'm just sitting here, Kristen Bayless, left fielder, um, national champion, Kelly Anderson, national champion on the mound, right? Their parents just last week, I mean, this was, we played with each other for a long time ago. Good Lord. It's like, I don't know, 18 years ago now, um, <laughs> went on like a two week excursion with an RV. These are like 
not only lifetime people that we make relationships with, but our parents right. are still rocking it and going yeah. on trip to Arizona. And I just, I enjoy seeing that stuff um, because uh, they don't know it now. These student athletes, they don't know it now. It's a small blip in their life, but they'll understand later. Right. Well, that's the thing too. We've talked about before the idea of staying true to what Cal softball culture already is, but then obviously building your own version of that now moving forward. But are there certain things about the culture, just the team, even the littlest thing or the biggest thing that are the same as when you played? Oh man. Yes. Like there's things, um, you know, Okay, there's a couple things. I'm like cracking up in my head right now. But, you know, during the national anthem, we say bears pass it down, bears pass it down. I'm still happy that that's living. Yeah. Um, the girls. Okay, so this might be a too long of a story for right now. But Coach Neidmeyer bought this like um, when I was in school. It was like this big home plate machine. It's called home plate. It's a big machine. It would go. It had a light on it. It would go red, yellow, green. And it yep. would shoot out this ball. And usually it was like. 65 miles an hour. So you couldn't see timing. All you had to do was time the lights up, which was really, really hard. Yeah. But we were, honestly, I was soft. I was like mentally soft. And that's <laughs> what made me better in the pro league. Like I wasn't the greatest athlete in my opinion. I could have been a lot better in college uh, mentally. I, I, I finally, I finally matured in the pro league four time, all pro league, like much better uh, as a softball player there. But we would, I'd complain all the time. And so would my, 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 my teammates. Right. And we called that machine Betty blue. Okay. And okay. what that when that we called the machine Betty blue. And so all we would do would slap off it. Cause it was so hard. It was so hard. Yeah. So we would, the righties would go like this and just chop through it. Just kind of yeah. trying to find it, trying to find timing. Right. And so just like a couple weeks ago, this is 18 years ago. A couple yeah. weeks ago, I'm like, okay, we're working on a slap for righties. Um, and oh, they're like, oh, like a Betty Blue. And I was like, what did you just <laughs> say? They're like, oh, like a Betty Blue slap. And I'm like, do you guys know what Betty Blue really <laughs> means? And they were like, no, they just, that's what Coach Neidmeyer called it. Uh, they would just slap. She called the slap a Betty Blue. I'm like, oh my God, we need a stop practice. Everybody Amazing. come in here. Everybody come in here. I need to tell you why it's actually called Betty Blue because that's amazing. You know, it was hard, and it was like things like that. I was cracking up. I like almost shed a tear because it's like nobody would know that if you if I was an alumni of this program, especially right. in the time. Those I things was. don't come up, right? No. Unless it's you, right? I was well, cracking up. That's that's the thing too. We talked about like the idea of filling Coach Nine shoes but also kind of, I don't know, getting your own pair of shoes, you know what I mean? But when you think about taking over from since her time, what do you hope you're able to do? Oh, man, I don't I – mean, she's one of the most winning coaches out there. I don't even know if I have enough time in my coaching career to even get, come close to those wins. I mean, um, the Coach Neinmeyer was so great at – making sure you were the most authentic you you could play at. She let people play. She never put restrictions on you. And she always made sure, you know, 
that your health and safety and your mentality was you and it was good and you were okay, you know, and um, I want to continue that. You know, I don't ever want to make student athletes something that they're not because then they just don't play the best. And that's what uh, Coach Neinmeyer was so great at is being able to funnel crazy Chelsea Spencer in a way to be able to perform at their best. Right. Yeah. And um, obviously I. She had shoes on. I have cleats on. Right. I'll put I'll put cleats on and I'll go take grounders with them. You know, I'm a I'm a little bit more of a. hands-on coach uh, than she is. So I think that's something that might be different is that I, you know, if I need to step in and do pickles, I'm going to step in and do pickles, you know, because it's, you know, in, in game life situations, go take grounders. I don't like hitting anymore. I just don't have like the rotational abilities in my, in my thoracic spine right now, <laughs> but I do like slow pitch though. I, I don't mind just getting hits on there, but you know, yeah. I, I wear, um, at Kat Mertz, uh, she was a soccer coach at, at Oregon. And she's like, true coaches wear cleats. I guess that's what mm. soccer soccer people do. So then oh. I was like, you know what? I'm a true coach. I'm going to wear some cleats for it, for it from here on out. <laughs> from here on out. Which is nice because, you know, if, if you have cleats on, like, I still take grounders. I love defense. It is what it is. Um, yeah. So you can't do that with turfs on, right? You'll be slipping no. all over the dirt. Yeah. And then the right. and then the girls will make fun of you because you're slipping and you're not doing it right. So like, <laughs> I just prep that I'm gonna. I just every day I have put my cleats on in case I need to jump in, show them how to do things because there's three things that coaches need to do, right? You need to be able to tell them how to do it. You need to be able to show them how to do it, and if you can't show them physically, then you you have to show them with video, and you have to make them feel it. Those are the three things that are really important for coaches to get through to athletes is be able to show, excuse me, be able to teach them, show them, have them feel it. And yeah. if you can, you can do that it's breakthrough. Um, and so me, I'm, I'm still young enough to be able to, you know, take some ground balls, you know, and be able to show them that way. But I also have my, my video because sometimes, you know, it's not about me, it's the athletes, right? So if that doesn't get through them, then I have to be able to video them and then show them that way. Because right. most athletes are, are uh, visual learners, right? Yep. So um, be able to show them what they're doing. They're like, well, what am I doing? And I'm like, okay, then I need to show you it. So, right, um, yeah. I feel like that's an example of your just high energy. Like you said, you just have so much passion. And you're, I remember when I asked Coach Al what she thought of you, she was like, or what she remembered of you as a player. She was like, oh, just a total fireball. You know, like so competitive, like so such a fireball over there at shortstop, you know, but like what I would ask you is what fires you up? Because I remember you mentioned to me that you've just always kind of been this way. Like when you were three, you used to like shut the car door. And if you did it first, you'd be like, I win, you know, like, <laughs> so it's like, what, what is it that gets you fired up? Everything. I mean, sun, yeah. you know, beautiful day. <laughs> rain when I'm too hot you know it's like everything I I softball there came a point in my life where you know I hit a crossroads in my life right and um you know and softball saved my life athletics saved my life um it was being an athlete um and understanding my future in um in these sports that I was a part of uh I picked it and so ever since then you know I've had this passion to compete and, and like you, you said, just, I, I just want to be the best I, I can be in whatever I'm doing. 
I don't play tennis. I don't play ping pong. It's just not me. I don't do good in it. So, and maybe that's a problem. You know, maybe it might be a problem that I don't do things that I'm not good at. And I don't put myself in these situations where I can <laughs> fail a little bit more. Right. But, you know, I just, I have a true desire to want to be the best I can be in whatever it is, whether it's coaching, being a mentor, getting these athletes to um, be the best that they can be. Right. Cause it's important. It's a, it's a, it's important. I mean, you can probably go ask those Texas student athletes if they miss me or not. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure that they'll say yes, because, yeah. um, you know, obviously hindsight's a little 2020, but you know, I push people in my opinion to be the best they can be. And I, I can, I have, feel like I have a pretty good pulse on teams where I'm like, she's not having a good day. I'm not going to push her today. And I don't think pushing is yelling. I don't, I think people have that confused with being a good right. coach. Doesn't mean like you're constantly yelling at people. I'm not a yeller. Um, obviously like there's times when I, you know, am frustrated. I mean, there's one time, okay. There's one time when I was coaching community college as a head coach and I don't know why my mom was right behind the dugout. I'm like, I'm a big family person. I'm a daddy's girl, but I'll honestly, secretly, I'm a mama's girl too. And, but I pick on my mom all the time. Me and my dad, we just pick on her, but she's behind the dugout and uh, we're on defense. I don't know. Third baseman gets it overthrows first and we get the ball and then we overthrow third. You know, it's a, it's a home run, right? Yeah. With like three errors in it. And I get up off the bucket. I'm about to go yell. And my mom goes, sit down on that bucket. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> you're right. They don't want to make errors out there. Why would I would yell at there? They're not going to be like, Hmm, I got the ball. I'm going to overthrow first base. Right. Right. You right. know, they're not trying to do that. Like, thank God my mom was right there. So I didn't blow a lid, you know, and, and, and honestly make a fool of myself. Right. It's she's yeah. like, sit down on that bucket. And I'm like, I sat right back down. Cause I always do it. My mom gets that, that no, like she can do it to this day. I'll still listen to her. Oh, you know what mom's you like mean business. Oh yeah. That never changes. Sometimes like the middle name comes out. It's like Jenna Elizabeth, you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love it. Mama's still keeping you in check. Mama's still there, man. <laughs> they still give it to me. They're, they're my hardest critic, but they're also my biggest fan. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's my competitive drive that, you know, pushes us to be what we can. Yeah. I remember you saying too, that you said you picked on your, you and your dad pick on your mom, but that you also like, like kind of being loved in that way. I think you kind of said that before where it's like you getting picked on, like you, it resonates with you. I'm kind of the same way. Like my parents and I, we like all roast each other, you know, like in good fun, but, but but you know, I'm kind of like, hey, it probably gave me thicker skin later, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather that than like being coddled, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I appreciate that. I think that's that. a struggle as a as me as a coach this, uh, in these in these years um is to I mean, they're going through so much, right? These student athletes, they step on campus, especially freshmen. You have a week of school and you're just trying to adapt. You're moving out of school or out of home. You're going to school in a new spot. You know, you're learning um, all kinds of new stuff academically. And then you go to the softball field and I can't expect you to learn something in the first try because you have so much more going on as well. You know? So, you know, I choose to just repeat myself and, and to, and not get mad because I have an understanding that 
the mind can only handle so much and you're, they're going to forget it. They're going to forget it. And then, and you know, at some point, you know, I get like, Hey, you can't. And some people are different. Like some people I could be like, Hey, focus. And this one, I'm like, Hey, I need you to focus a little bit more. You know what I right. mean? And like, yeah. And then, and then you got to find that, that niche that people learn at the best. They function at the best. Um, you know, there's a great uh, podcast called um, Building Championship Mindsets mm. uh, by um, Dr. Amber Selking. Okay. And have to look she, into that. she has eight building blocks of championship mindset. Oh, and, you said the team um, listened to this, right? Yep. Yep. We listened nice. to it. And you know what? Now thinking about it, I'm probably going to go back in the next day or two and talk about it. But, um, uh, it's, um, oh God, it's, it's your, it, it's not attentional. She goes through like, um, uh, attentional control and, you know, finding where you're at in, in, in not attention, but like in a certain scale of like energy control. Right. And like, mm-hmm. I function better at an eight and then some other people function better at a four, you know, and it's like understanding yourself and, and me understanding my student athletes and being able to have that good communication with the, within each other. Is that how can I get you to the optimal performance? Right. Optimal performance is what we want, right? In, in the student athlete, especially in the mind, because uh, they're eighteen to twenty-two. I don't. I'm sure they don't even know their optimal performance. Like they, yeah. I, I was so much better as a twenty-six-year-old. Um, understanding the game slowed down. I my my physicality is meant to, uh, um, getting close to my mental capacity, right? right. And, and right now, it's like their physical is so far above their mental capacity. And so I have to remember as a coach to, to, to build this mental. So, so we can start evenly, uh, equaling it out. Yes. And you, this reminds me of something you've also said that has stuck with me since I've actually mentioned it on broadcast. And I've said that you told me because it, I've known this concept, but again, like the way you articulated it so clearly, it was just like, that stuff matters. Like what you just said matters day to day too. So it's like you said, it's not the best team that wins. It's the team that performs on that day and plays mm-hmm. the best on that day. And that has a lot to do with what you're talking about in terms of mentality and you being able to, as a coach, read where the players are at on that day, know their personalities in general, but then also like, what, what's that day like, you know, like there's a lot that goes into being able to do that, but it's, I appreciate it when coaches have more of that approach that you're talking about versus like a cookie cutter kind of just treat everyone the exact same every time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's some coaches are successful at that. I'm just not, you know, I, I'm a feeler. Like I'm a lover. I, I, I look all passionate and, and fierce and this person, but whatever your brain is, your, your brain is going to, whatever you feed your brain, it it is going to be it. And love yeah. is part of it to me because I, I think it's much bigger than softball. It is much bigger than, like I said earlier in this podcast, that it's getting these athletes to a place in their life of optimal performance, whatever it right. is in the boardroom, in, in athletics, in your job, you know, or in your family. Like you, you should not go back to your family and not and be a jerk or be, you know, just because you're stressed out at work right? It's being able to deal with all these emotions, especially the 18 to 22 year olds, their emotional, uh, 
capacity is just different than than me at 37. I'm 37 in like five to 10 days, okay, as a 37-year-old, right? And um, it's it's understanding that, but also holding them accountable to not letting them use that as a crutch, right? It's 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 a, it's a hard balance. Um, it's just the way I coach, and um, I don't know any way different. You just fully invest, and I, I love that personally. But I know earlier you mentioned too the fact that there's more investment in the sport. And it's like you, you want to make these women's lives better for them moving forward. You want them to be better having been coached under you for the rest of, for the rest of their lives. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you happen to be doing that for softball because that's what you're passionate about. But that's really like, that's a universal thing when it comes to coaching and, and stuff like that. But when you look at sort of the, the investment that's happening more and more in softball, you mentioned it earlier with like facilities and the SEC has sort of pushed the Pac-12. You guys are getting a new stadium, which I'm thrilled about. But when you look at softball, what do you think about the growth up to this point, And what do you see moving forward? I see a sport that men cannot come in and dominate women in right away. Yeah, give them, you know, four years. You look at what baseball players do in men's fast pitch and they strike out for like four years. Like they cannot hit a rice ball. <laughs> and yeah. you, you look at like Jenny Finch against Pujols. It's, it's appetizing, especially to dads. It's appetizing to, you see boyfriends out there that are like painted their chest for their, like for their, their girlfriends. Right. Or like, yeah. you know, just like, like it's, it's, there's this like, it hooks, it hooks people because it's fast. Um, it's only seven innings. Um, men cannot go in and dominate uh, the women. And I think it's honestly the premier sport of, of women, in my opinion, uh, because of that fact. Um, yeah. Women play the sport and there's no men's softball on any campus in the United States. And um, we get a lot of fans. Uh, our viewership's up. Um, and it's, 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 I see softball as these, I mean, women have only been able to train like men for the last, I don't know, 20 years. Like yeah. imagine what we can do in 20 years. Right. And I'm not saying that we're going to be like these ripped girls or whatever, you know, like these, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but the evolution of the woman athlete right. is, is becoming, I mean, the evolution of the men, the male athlete, I mean, you don't see any fat football players out there anymore. I mean, these guys are like 250 muscle. I don't mm-hmm. even know if that's correct, but they're like big men running, you know, speeds of what they never thought these big linebackers and O-linemen could run at. Right. And imagine what they've done. Imagine what the woman athletes done. And I think that, you know, with softball, it's, it's, it's appetizing for the American population and um, to watch it on TV because men just can't go out and do it. Yeah. It is something that women own. I didn't really think of it that way. Like, like you said, there's obviously men's fast pitch, but in terms of who's leading in the softball world, it is women. Um, and that's not the case in a lot of other sports. So that is unique to us. I never really thought of it that way before, but that's so interesting. But it's right. like, I, you know, I hope, I hope, you know, the, the women athlete, you know, gets stronger because I want to see girls dunk on girls. 
you know? Yeah. Like, Frances Bolivia at Stanford dunked. She dunked. Yeah, this you year. know, but 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 yeah. really dunk though. But really like crush, mash it, yeah. right? Like that's what <laughs> that's what the American population wants, right? I mean, the I I, I can't like I watch uh women's basketball, I'm like, God, this sport has evolved so much from the last ten years, fifteen years. It's crazy. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, as as us women, um, you know, find ways to train and and you know, the women, you know, get better as as especially young right uh, it's yeah. on tv more uh women are on tv more um i had role models that were baseball uh guys which is fine i mean defense is defense on on both sides and so you know yeah. but um even just sport and oh, the the technology piece i mean this iphone right here is 220 frames per second and being <laughs> able to like film things that happen and that the naked eye can't see it's it's already making our sport and baseball and all kinds of sports uh the coaching just way better. Yes. The technology is unbelievable. That that could be an entire episode in itself, honestly. It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I mean, I, I could keep going all day, but I got I a also... game, so I, I think I gotta wrap it up here. But um Exactly. You have an important game too. I will actually it... be calling your game today. So maybe I'll see. We're you on TV you. or oh no, we're on the live stream. On the live stream, yeah. Yeah. Let's go. So, Are you going to be at the field? I will. So maybe I'll get to say hello from a distance, whatever we're allowed to do. <laughs> but the the thing that I wrap up with with every guest is a quick game called Safer Out. And basically, okay. I'll bring something up. If you like it, you agree with it, you call it safe. If you don't like it or you don't agree with it, you call it out. Does that make sense? Um, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. So first one is the four-game conference series. Safe or out? Out. Yeah. It's <laughs> tough. It seems tough, man. Like the double header, it seems, yeah. Well, I needed it uh, from a um, perspective because uh, we, as, a, as an administration, we um, agreed to not travel in the preseason. Uh, right. With hotels. So, you need the games. so I, I needed the games. Right. Um, do I want to play U of A, UCLA, all these Pac-12 schools four times in one weekend? Absolutely not. Uh, ever again <laughs> yeah yeah okay that is fair and I figured that that would be your answer so all right that was the first one. Second one is green light on a 3-0 count safer out oh man can we pick neither because I think that if depends you know what safe safe okay like yeah. you would do it at times though potentially yes, okay so that, yes. that yeah that's safe then it's like if you safe. never ever want to do it then that'd be out yeah okay yeah safe Absolutely. So it just depends on the hitter. That's fair, though. Like, you don't do it for everyone, obviously. But some people are depends like, on the never. Pitcher. Right. Depends on the pitcher, right? Are they right. throwing strikes? Totally. Yeah. Okay. That's also fair. All right. So last one is bat flips. Safe or out? Safe. Absolutely. Safe. Yes, yes. Now, you should not be bat flipping if you're up 6-0. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's where softball goes a little, like, um, how do I say this um, correctly? They go a little wrong. Is that they're like, oh, yeah, it's eight to zero. And you're like, no, that's not the re- the great place for a bat flip. Like, you're killing right. the team, you know? Like, I like it, you know, within a couple runs. It's important. Um, or, I mean, did you see the bomb that – 
Oh, what's the scoop and hit off us? It went up oh, on the... Yes, yes. I mean, she could have backflipped that and I would have been okay with it. Because that thing was <laughs> like... On top of the... I'm not, I think that might, might have been the farthest um, ball I've ever seen hit. Yeah, I think... Probably when I played against U of A was some of the farthest balls I've ever seen hit too. <laughs> so, so are you uh, saying it's an Arizona thing and we're all at a competitive disadvantage? Uh, maybe. It felt like maybe. it at the time, but I don't know. <laughs> so we instead of it going, you know, 420 feet, maybe it only went 310, okay? Because the yeah. fences are only like, you know, 200 feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, that that's cool because a lot of people I talk to – like especially coaches tend to be like a little more old school and like maybe a little more conservative, but I know you're like high energy and I feel like bat flips are also high energy. So that's, I was curious. That's interesting. I mean, the men do it in the MLB. That's been pointed like, out to me recently. And I was like, yeah, mm, like okay, they flip it, but they, yeah. but they flip it in situations where it's warranted. Right. Right. I, I agree mean, with that. The timing matters. The yeah. timing, right? Like authenticity. I'm, yeah, yeah. Understanding of the game. For sure. So. For sure. All right. Not, I just, all right. Anyway. Well, no, I mean, we, again, we could keep going, but, but this was great. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I love talking to you. Like I told you, like, I'm not used to, like, feeling, like, vibing with cow people this much. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, you, I, I'd have to it. go along with that. And although I call Coach Al a lot, I don't really call Stanford people a lot, but the vibe is is definitely here. Uh, you, yeah. You know, on another day, if you want to get me on the podcast again, I'm always free. Um, I would love to. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing for our sport. It's important. And uh, people are out there listening. It's great. Yes. Well, thank you for doing what you're doing for the sport. It's awesome. Chelsea is an awesome example of the strong female head coaches throughout the Pac-12 and the entire country. I think the fact that she is now guiding the women on her team, on the same path that she was on, right? I said it before, it's irreplaceable, but her energy on top of that is really top tier. So I'm telling you, keep an eye on this program. They're going to make it back to the Women's College World Series in the not-too-distant future, and part of me kind of can't believe I just said all those nice things about a cow person. It's it's still weird for my cardinal red heart, but you know what? Respect. <laughs> so with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about buying in. Now, when you buy in, it just means that you've identified a goal, what's most important slash what you value and how you can get there. And this is the key. This is the key. You've committed to pursuing it. So buy-in is just so important as an athlete and especially for a team collectively. So much of what Coach Spencer has talked about is about getting the players and everyone who is part of Cal softball to buy into the program. That's essentially what she's trying to do. And you can do this in a lot of different ways. And a big one that works for her is working together with and allowing the players themselves to develop their core values as a team. And this gives them a leading role in defining Cal softball. And you know what? It makes it easy to commit and buy in when you actually got to have a hand in creating it in the first place, right? If you look at, you know, some of these teams we watched in the World Series and the Championship Series, you know, both Oklahoma and Florida State had the success that they had because of buy-in. Because true buy-in is every single person on the roster, every coach, every staff member working toward the same goal, 
with the same energy. So for OU, I mean, some examples that I think about, it's, you know, they had that sort of theme where they would grab the dirt, right? And like feel it like gladiator style, which sort of symbolized this idea of fighting till the end. And they had to, right? They had to do that in the loser's bracket and they did it. But they bought into that long before they were actually holding that national championship trophy. Another thing they did all season was hold the four up, just the four fingers, and it meant for him and for each other. And that was something that they just committed to. I mean, that's been all season long, right? Like this stuff doesn't come out of nowhere. You build towards this over time. And turns out, hey, they were the fourth team to actually win the national championship coming through the loser's bracket. And to me, that's an example too of like, you know what? The universe knows. The softball gods know, right? And if you've read The Alchemist, which if you haven't, I I recommend that you do. But there's a quote in there. They say, when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. And I I really think that's true when when it's a pure goal, you know, you're doing it with integrity and you fully committed to something. And that's what you have to do those things if you actually want to achieve anything. So it's a great example from OU. But with Florida State, I would say too, you know, they made it all the way through the loser's bracket into the championship series as well. And a thing that they did that I thought was so awesome is they were cheering the same for a squeeze bunt as they were if someone on their team hit a home run. And to me, that's just buying into their approach to the game, like what their strengths are. Those are the kinds of things that they did as a team that helped them be successful. And they just bought fully in, right? Like you wouldn't think that a bunt would get as much of a reaction as a home run, but that is them an example of them fully buying in to what they were doing. And I'll say for both teams, I mean, even a lot of folks on the bench who weren't actually in the game, they weren't pouting, they weren't sitting down behind everybody in the corner or whatever. Everyone was on that fence, on the railing, cheering for everything. And that is also how you know everyone's bought in. So to do what these teams did, right, and fight all the way back after losing early in an atmosphere like the Women's College World Series, you have to be on the same page for that. You just have to be. And that takes that buy-in that we're talking about with yourself, buying into that with yourself, believing in yourself and buying into all of it with each other. And honestly, for any team we, we play on in life, you know, on the field, off the field, whatever it is, buying in is an important ingredient to that success. I mean, the tangible success as well as the relationships that you build along the way. So that's it. Buy-in. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen, including Believe.com. You can also watch the videos on YouTube. It's a good time, I promise. Hit that subscribe button, rate the show, write a review, and share the episodes. Again, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. And you can always, always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera as well. As always, thank you for tuning in. What a college softball season, and we have plenty more to go. So we'll catch you soon.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.